Well, in just a couple of moments, I'm going to unpack the word that God laid on my heart. But doesn't she look beautiful? She looks aloha, you know, they have a Hawaiian, you know, so I'm going to give her a kiss and she's going to preach to you, okay? Don't you love Sister Meliana? Let me give you a kiss. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Again, we are so grateful, so blessed. And, you know, I was uh, greeting uh, Pastor Renee's parents and I'm so grateful for them because I know that the legacy have lived on and I'm so grateful for what they have done, accomplished, and I believe that's why we're all here today. Amen? Because someone, somebody, have stand in the gap, continue to pursue God with everything they have. So that's why I wanna encourage you parents, Please continue to pursue God with everything you have so our children, grandchildren continue to go after God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And not only that, I am, again, I'm so blessed, so honored. Just want to say thank you so much for your hospitality, your generosity. We are so, so grateful because your generosity helped us to uh, starting the church that we have started in Tucson last year. And I tell you what, it has been amazing. Yes, that was the most challenging job that John and I had ever done. But I tell you what, I look at it as an adventure. Because of seeing what the Lord has done, I am so, so grateful. And I remember uh, because we had never been a pastor before, all we, uh, we went straight from sitting on the pew, straight to the pulpit, start preaching, start traveling. And when we started the church, we grabbed everybody to do something. And I remember we grabbed this young couple, and they have three children, and we wanted them to be our greeter. And um, uh, because you don't have, we don't have time to interview you. We don't know the people. We just grab everybody to do something. So I remember we grabbed this young couple, not great, young looking, uh, a great uh, a couple, and then they start uh, greeting the people that coming to church. So John uh, took a husband and, um, and some other men from our church out to breakfast after a few weeks. And while they were out to breakfast, the young man told John that he's not married. And I said, oh my gosh, you're not married? They've been living together for 10 years, three children. And because they are not married, living together, so he told him, you can't be our greeter anymore. I tell you what, it was difficult, but you have to tell people the truth. Otherwise, they think it's okay. So Tonum can't be our greeter anymore, so we set them down. And so I approached this lady because we still need a greeter. Approached this lady, looked like on my age, great uh, lady, and I told her, please, can you be our next greeter? And she said, yes, I would love to. So she started greeting, and then every morning uh, from uh, weekdays, from Monday to Friday, we have an early 
a morning a prayer meeting on Zoom from 5.30 to 6.30 every morning. And so you can join us on uh, Zoom. And so she's over there every morning on the Zoom. And you, if you have a prayer request, you can write it on the chat. If not, you can just ask us during the, the prayer request time. We can pray for you. So one morning she said, and listen, our people, they are so raw. I love it, you know. And uh, <clears throat> many of them, first time coming to church. And so our greeter, our next greeter, she asked John, Meliana, and there were probably about 15 or, uh, or uh, 20 people in a prayer, prayer Zoom. She said, please, can you guys pray for me? And we said, yes, what is, uh, do you want us to know about your prayer request or you want to Write it down. And she said, no, no, I want you guys to please pray for me. And I said, I said, okay, what is it? She said, please, please, you guys pray for me. I have been struggling and addicted to heroin for the last 26 years. This is what went through my mind. Oh, my gosh. All I need, all I want is a greeter. <laughs> That's all I need. And I said, like, oh my gosh. So <laughs> that's what happened when you grab everybody, you know. Put them to work, tell them to do something. And I said, like, oh my goodness. Okay, make sure you be at church tonight because we meet on Thursday night. We don't meet on Sunday because of our schedule. We travel all over. We have over 307 meetings this year alone from January. First to thirty to uh, December thirty first, not counting Tucson. And because we don't meet on Sunday, we meet on Thursday because that's usually our day off. And we said, okay, make sure you be at a church tonight. Come up to the front. We'll pray for you. Cast the demon of drugs off from you. She said, yes, I will be there. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. And of course, she's there every uh, Thursday anyway. So she came to church and. Um, and because we started the church, we, uh, some of you probably know, we started the church without planning. In two weeks, we, stay, we decided, let's start a church in Tucson, Arizona. And I tell you what, oh my gosh, the cost of uh, not only financially, but the energy of flying over there every week, every Thursday. And, uh, and because we were starting it, it cost us so much money because we have to to live in hotel, so I figured, well, let's stay in Airbnb because it's a little bit cheaper. My God, it cost me like six, $7,000 every month. That was too much. I decided, let's rent a house. The renting, we got the first house, and um, I didn't know you have to pay to, to, uh, uh, to sign an application to look for a house. That nowadays, in my days when I was looking to rent, I just come in agreement with the owner, you know, <laughs> given the first and last month. There we go. So, but, so we finally got the first, first house and gave us the contract ready to sign the, the, the property manager. It says you're supposed to have only 10 people in a house. It was a pretty good-sized house, but I purposely wanted to do Bible study in a house every, Thursday, every Wednesday night. So I called them and I said, hey, there is only one couple is living in a house but I wanted that amount of space to have Bibles. I have to let them know in case the neighbor complained, how come all these cars every Wednesday night? And I told them, I want you guys to know there are going to be a lot more people there on Wednesday night. 
And because it was during COVID, they said, no, they put down their rule. No, there is supposed to be only 10 people in a house, no more. And because of that rule, I said, I can't have the house then. I can't, I'm sorry, ma'am, I can't rent the house. And because of that, it pushed us to buy a house that we were not planning. So we ended up buying a house, <laughs> bought another house in Tucson, Arizona. And I was, oh my gosh. But this was the thing. When bought the house, I walk into the house, beautiful home. It was a two-year-old house. I, I saw the house already on the, on, the, on the app, but I went all the way in the back door, opened the back door, went outside because I wanted to see how big the, the back door yard, the back, uh, the, I mean, the, the yard is. And I tell you what, when I walk out, I was so blessed because the last owner had left us all these huge pin tubs. I count all together. Ten of them with vegetable in it. I was so happy, so blessed. As I walked up closer to it, we, as I noticed looking down, all these plants, these vegetables, they are half dead. I said, oh, that is so sad. Then I noticed there's a host laying right next to some of the pins. And finally figured out, dawned on me, the reason why they are half dead. Because the, I remember the realtor told us, when the owner found out that he had a buyer, he packed up everything and he left. He moved out. And usually when you, op when you uh, open the escrow, it took usually like 20 to 30 days to close the escrow. So the meantime, because we were not legally on the house, there was nobody there to water those plants. That's why they are half dead. So I look over, there was a hose right there. So I grabbed the hose and start watering it. And I left, and guess what? Next day I watered it and we left. Following the week, we came back. Guess what? Those vegetables, they came back to life. <laughs> they started coming back to life. And I was so happy. Grabbed the hose again and start watering it again when I came back the following week. And as I was watering it, and all of a sudden, I heard the Holy Spirit spoke to me. As I shared earlier, it was a sometimes it was a challenge flying over there every week, working with, with the church. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, Meliana, as you are watering these plants, as you are so excited, so happy, that the last owner had left you these pins and these plants, these vegetables, and you are excited, you are so happy that he left it to you for you as a gift, and you are watering it. Now they come back to life. Meliana, I gave you this church. I gave you these people as a gift. Now it's your responsibility to water them with my words. As you watch these plants, these vegetables came back to life. Meliana, if you continue to water them with my word, I promise you, Meliana, they will come back to life. They are a gift to you. 
I gave them to you as a gift. The reason why they are living in sin. The reason why they are addicted to drugs. The reason why they are living in an addiction life. Because there was nobody to water them with my word. But I gave them to you as a gift. And I will give you everything that you need. As the last owner left even the host for you to water these plants. I will give you the finances. I will give you the time. I will give you the energy. I will keep you healthy so you can continue to do what I called you to do. And let me tell you what, God has given each one of us a gift. It breaks my heart when I see people hold back their gift. Listen, the reason why our family, our city are dying because you and I are holding back our gift instead of using what God has given us to water our family, to water our church, to water our city. Why? Because God will give us everything that we need. And he said, Meliana, I guarantee you, if you continue to water them with my words, guess what? The following two weeks later, I came back. My tomato plants, it started bearing tomatoes. A month later, I came back. I started reaping a harvest from all these vegetables. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, Meliana, if you continue to water them with my word, I guarantee you, you will reap a harvest from them. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Guess what? Because John had put that couple down, not being an usher, I mean a greeter anymore. A few weeks later, they called a young man called and said, John, my girlfriend and I, we have been talking. We have been talking and talking and talking. We decided to get married. Wanted to see if you, I, we saw your schedule. You're going to be in Hawaii. And speaking in a conference there, I wanted to see if you can fly in a couple days early to Honolulu. Me and my family, we're all going to fly to Honolulu and see if you can come and marry us in Honolulu. After that, we're going to fly to Maui and attend the conference you're going to speak at. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. We flew to Oahu, married them. Right after married them, we all flew to Maui and attended the conference. And guess what? That young couple, the wife, she is our children pastor right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And guess what? We were again this year. They were in Hawaii also at the conference, but I needed somebody to get back to, to Tucson and run the service last week, Thursday. I told them, you guys, please get on the plane. Get to Tucson and run the service. So I found out, yes, there the rest of there were 24 people from our little church went to the conference, but I make sure that they get back to Tucson. So the rest of the people were still in Hawaii, but they got back on a plane, stuck in LAX in, uh, in uh, Los Angeles on Thursday. I tell them, please, I call them, are you in Tucson yet? They said, we'll be in Tucson tonight. <laughs> and guess what? They were there, run everything, run the service, while John and I was flying back over here. But again, let me encourage you, when you are faithful, serve God. God will see to it that he will reward you for what you are doing. Amen. And guess what? That, that lady, drug addiction, 
brought her to the front, prayed over her, cast the devil of addiction out from her. Now she is faithful, continued trusting God, walking with God. Even she brought her son, brought her daughter-in-law, even the grandchildren are ushering, serving the church right now. And I tell you what, I was so happy, so grateful, and I just want to encourage you, share with you, if you are in a ministry, serve God the faithfully because God will see to it he will reward you for what you are doing and if you're not serving please use each one of us here this morning we have a gift that God has given us and I want to encourage you if you use the gift that God has given you to serve him God will see to it a very cry in your heart the things that concern you God will see to it that he will fix that situation, that he will take care of those situations. If you use what you give, if you use what you have to what you have to serve him faithfully. Amen. Praise God. Give Jesus a big hand clap. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. She had me crying. He's crying when she's talking about the fact that you gotta water. How many want to water this valley? Come on. How many know that this valley needs water, the water of the word? I'm going to say something to you. I've heard her share that story, but that was amazing, Meliana. And then she didn't know what I was going to preach on this morning. But I want you to turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 122. I'm going to begin by reading this verse. I'm going to read it out of the NIV because the NIV does the best translation. Because I want to clarify something. Because this morning, God is going to release something in this room. He's going to release supernatural faith. How many say you need more faith? How many need more faith? I know I need faith. I, I, you know what? I, I needed more faith planning this church than I did traveling. But in Psalm 122, verse 9, the NIV, New International Version, I love this psalm. It says, For the sake of the house of the Lord our God. How many love God's house? I would tell you, I was so excited to wake up this morning so I could come to God's house. Because every time I come to God's house, I anticipate what God's going to do. He's going to save. He's going to heal. He's going to deliver. He's going to prophesy over. I'm going to experience God's presence for the sake of the house of the Lord. And, and, and people ask me before, John, why with, with your preaching over 300 times a year, would you, would you put, put yourself through the trauma of planning a church? And, and I will tell you why. For the sake of the Lord's house. For the sake of the house of the Lord. Let me just tell you. For the sake of God's house, you do things you would normally do. For the sake of the Lord's house, why do you preach as much as you? For the sake of the house of the Lord. Because I love the house of the Lord. 
I love being in church. If you don't love being in church this morning, you need to come to the altar and give your life afresh to Jesus. Because I love being in God's house. I love worshiping God. I love singing unto my God. For the sake of the house, the house of the Lord our God. Now, why did he say that? For the sake of the house of the Lord our God. What does he say? The psalmist. I will seek your prosperity. You know, prosperity has gotten a bad rap because we limit prosperity to just economic gain. And I want to tell you, there is the side or the facet of prosperity that, that has economics. As Rick got up and talked about your estate planning and these kinds of things, we should be good stewards of our resources but see, the prosperity that I'm talking about tonight isn't just, this morning is not just limited, limited to economic prosperity. I want to be, I want to be so prosperous that I can bring healing to people who are sick. I want to be so prosperous that when people are discouraged, I can give them a prophetic word that's going to send them on a trajectory that's going to bless their life. Come on. I want to be so prosperous that those that are demon-oppressed and demon-possessed get delivered. That's how prosperous I want to be. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when I talk to you about prosperity... There is a number of directions that I want to go, but there's something that you have to see. Jesus has one goal. He wants to feed people. Everything we do in ministry is to feed people. Why do we have all the announcements? Why are we doing all these things? Simply because we want to feed people. And because just like my beautiful wife said, people are half dead. Come on. There's got to be some church in the Treasure Valley that has a passion to feed people. There has to be some church. And I'm not talking about milk, toast, and pizza. I'm talking about with the power of the Spirit of God. I'm talking about with something that's going to transform their life. That they walk in one way and leave a different way. They don't walk in and leave the same way they came in. Because they got fed by something from heaven. God wants to feed people. How do I know that? I'm going to get to my text in a moment that I'm going to unpack. But this morning I woke up with this. It was just on my mind that in John 13, it says that Jesus loved them to the end. Everybody say, love them to the end. Love them to the end. Aren't you thankful he loves us? Amen. To the end. And it was the night that he knew he would be betrayed. It's very interesting that you, that I realized something. Jesus would allow Judas to betray him, but he would never allow anybody to deceive him. And here at the Last Supper there, 
And of course, in the beginning of that meal, before the, the meal began, Jesus starts washing the feet of his disciples. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me just say this to you. I've been in services where they have a foot washing, and that's an amazing experience. But the reality is this. Sometimes we can take it literally. But Jesus told the disciples to, to model me or do, make, make what I did to you, make, make, let it be an example to you that we have a responsibility to keep each other clean. As a church, we have a responsibility to keep each other clean because we have to walk in this earth. We have to walk in this world where it's defiled. But this is quite interesting that when he came up to Peter to wash Peter's feet, Peter said, you're not washing my feet. And, and Jesus said, well, if I don't wash your feet, you, can't, you have no part of me. And Peter said, then wash my whole body. I'm so hungry, I want God to wash my whole body. Come on. But then in the course of the night, as the night went on, Jesus began to tell them about someone who is going to betray him. And it's very interesting that Jesus also washed Judas's feet. But there was a man by the name of John who had his ear on the heart of God. I don't know about you this morning, but I felt it, as worship was going on that there was, there was something corporate happening during worship where most of us in this room had our ear on the breast of the Lord. That we could actually hear his heartbeat this morning. Come on. See, when you hear his heartbeat, he's going to give you information that he doesn't normally speak out. Come on. And Peter recognized that because I'm going to say this to you. There's something prophetically that's going to happen. People of this community are going to recognize that this church is close to God. There are people in here that are close to God because they can see the relationship of God on you. And Peter, and Peter recognized that John had his ear toward the heart of God and, and asked John, John, ask the Lord who is going to betray him. And because John had his ear to the heartbeat of God, Jesus then told John, it's the one that I, I take the bread, dip it in the cup bowl, and I hand it to He's the betrayer. At that moment, ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you, because I honestly believe he loved them to the end. And Jesus wants to feed people, including those who are about to make the biggest mistake of their life. He wants to feed people, including the Judases. But notice this, because you've got to understand this. They're sitting across at the table. Jesus did he gets breaks the bread, dips it in the bowl, and hands it to hands it to Judas. And the Bible says something that it's a theological minefield. It says when he took the bread, Satan entered him. The question that I want to ask you is how in the world could you take the bread of life and yet have Satan enter you? That's a theological, that's an impossibility. 
But let me tell you this. The truth is, I can take the bread, but not eat the bread. Judas took it, but he never ate it. I can come to church, hear the word, but never eat the word. I can come to school, hear the teaching, but never partake of it. Come on. And so the nutrients that's in the word doesn't transform my life. Because Jesus loved them to the end because he even wanted to feed Judas. He was giving Judas an opportunity to be fully redeemed. He wanted to even redeem his betrayer. Oh, come on. And then he handed the bread, which he broke, handed it to Judas. Judas, now you have an opportunity to eat it, but he doesn't eat it. He takes it, and and then Satan fills him, and then he gets up and leaves. Church, I don't want to leave the table without eating. I'm so thankful in the church that we don't go home at 12 noon. Come on. That we, do, that we don't go because we got to come to church to eat. How many have come to the house of the Lord because you want to eat this morning? That you want to eat this morning. Now notice this. Because, be, why? How do I know? How do I know that he didn't eat it? Because it, he took it, the Bible tells me. Then he left. Now, we know that when Israel were called to, to every single day, God sent manna, and they were to gather that manna every day. And when they tried to save it, it turned to worms, right? How many know that when Judas committed suicide, his intestines were full of worms? You know why? Because he took the bread and then ate the bread when he wanted to. I do not eat the bread of life when I want to. I eat it when he gives it to me. Because it's for that moment, at that second, Jesus wants to feed people. Now turn with me to John 6, if you would, please. Of all the miracles that is recorded in the Gospels, this is the one miracle that's recorded in all four of the Gospels. Because I want you to see this. Because remember, Jesus wants to feed people. And John 6 basically does the most detailed description of that miracle. But here in John 6, I want you to see verse 5. And I'll, and I'll, I'll make reference to the other uh, 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 gospels as I preach. It says, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, you've got to understand, for three days, Jesus had been doing miracles. He's been doing one miracle, healing the sick. He's been opening blind eyes, the blame of walk, lepers have been clad. Three days, and now he turns to his disciples, and he says, listen, all these people are coming because they're hungry. Can I tell you something? This year will be a year for valley. This will be a year of multiplication. We are, going, we are going into a season of multiplication. They're coming to eat. They're coming to eat. 
Because they're not eating from religion. They're not eating from, from places that are dead. They're coming to a house because there's bread in the house. Come on. And notice this. So then they're coming toward him, and he turns to Philip, and he says, where shall we get bread? Where will she buy bread for these people to eat? Now notice this. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. In other words, other translations, other, other versions of this story in the other Gospels, he turns to the disciples and tells the disciples, feed them. Everybody say, feed them. Feed them. I want you to see this. If I understand that Jesus wants to feed people, I also understand that I don't have the resources to do it. So he's having a staff meeting saying, listen, I want to feed these people. And guess what the disciples do? The disciples come up with excuses to do what Jesus prophesied for them to do. They come up with an excuse, Meliana. And what is their excuses? Every one of their excuses has to deal with money. Money becomes the biggest excuse for you and I not to do what God called us to do. And we say that we don't worship mammon. Can I tell you something? I never had the money to start the ministry. I never had the money to start the church. I, ne I have to buy a building. I don't have the money. But I do know Jesus said you feed them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus said, you feed them. So it's not my responsibility to know where I'm going to access the resources. It's my responsibility to believe the word of the Lord that I'm going to be the instrument that God's going to use to feed the, the nations. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because, no, because here's what we're thinking. Here, here's the thing you've got to understand. There, there are so many times that when God gives us a word, when God gives us a direction, we come up with an excuse. First of all, let me just tell you, because in the other gospels, when he said, feed them, the disciples said, send them away. Everybody say, send them away. Why? It requires no work to send you home. The longer I keep you here, the more work it requires. And you know why we're not seeing miracles? You know why we're not seeing what God wants to do? Because it requires work. It requires work. Come on. It takes no work to send them away. It takes work to feed people. Amen. See, that, that is why, that is why you remember in Luke 5, when, when, when Jesus, when the crowd were pressing in on him, he, 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 there were two boats tied to the shore. And he, and he has to make a decision, which boat do I get in? I don't know about you, but I want God to jump into my boat. Amen. I want God to jump into this boat. 
I think God has already jumped into this boat. Come on. But it's interesting that he just doesn't jump any into any other boat. He jumped into the boat of Simon Peter. Why? Why did he jump into the boat of Simon Peter? Simply because Simon Peter was repairing and preparing his net. In other words, he had a bad night the night before. He caught nothing, but he didn't allow the past season of unfruitfulness to determine the catch of today. Oh, Jesus, I feel like preaching right now. Because sometimes what we do is we, we look at our past season where we were unfruitful and determine what we're going to do today because of what happened yesterday. No, I'm preparing for a catch. I'm preparing for a miracle. I'm repairing my net that couldn't catch anything. Oh, come on, church. Because God's not going to step into somebody's boat who's not working. He steps into the boat and he says, he pushed it out a little shore because he's using Peter's boat as a pulpit. Now, I don't know about you, but I would want Jesus to use my life as a pulpit where he can preach from. And he's preaching to the crowd. But here's what he does. And I'll get you back to John 6. Peter is in a shallow place, Meliana. God allows us to stay in a shallow place of excuses for only so long. When I hear people making excuses, I realize that your Christianity is really shallow. Especially when God wants to use you to feed a nation. I'm not satisfied in the shell. I'm going to be 60 years old next week. I don't feel 60. I hope I don't look 60, but my wife reminds me. <laughs> she reminds me of my spare tire. But let, I'm getting rid of it, honey. I'm going to get rid of it. But I don't want to be in the same place today that I am. I don't want to be in the place. In, I want to be in a different place next year. Because I don't want to be satisfied with where I am spiritually financially and emotionally I want to begin to launch out further come on because God wants me to feed more and more and more people I want to reach more people I want to see more people saved delivered prophesied over I want to see that I don't want to be satisfied with shallow Christianity because the biggest problem in America is not the devil or, or Democrats or Republicans. The biggest problem in America is shallow Christianity. Because shallow Christianity gets satisfied in the shallow. That's not prosperity. We, you, you hear the words of Jesus, but you don't experience the words of Jesus. Oh. So Jesus allows Peter, for a season, for a moment, to stay in the shallow. So what does he do? He preaches to the crowd, and then he turns to Peter and says, Peter, launch out 
into the deep. Can I tell you this? As Meliana said, in two weeks we decided to start a church without a plan. I didn't realize how deep God was going to take us. <laughs> because if he would have told me what I had to walk through, I would have stayed shallow. Come on. <laughs> Be- because, it, 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 because in the shallow, I don't have rough waves. In the shallow, if things don't work out, I can get out the boat and I can walk back to shore. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But when I'm out in the deep, I, 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 I can't fail. Come on, I need a miracle. Some of us need to get so deep in God that the only way we're going to make it is with a miracle. Oh, come on. Because if I'm shallow, I can walk back. If I'm shallow, I can trust the doctor more than the good physician. If I'm shallow, I can trust how much money I got in my bank and my 401k. But if I'm out in the deep, I've already given away my 401k. I don't have nowhere else to go. Which means some of you this morning, because why he's in the shallow Christy, he's still anchored to shore. Can I tell you? God's going to fill these balconies because the biggest anchor in the Treasure Valley is we get anchored to human relationships more than we get anchored to the voice of God. And sometimes what God will do is he'll, he'll encourage us and he'll beckon us and plead with us to break those anchors. Peter broke the anchor. He broke the anchor. And I'm so glad he broke the anchor because I I love what he said in the NIV. He says, well, Jesus, we've fished all night and have caught nothing. But because you said so. I want to have faith like that. Not because I think so. Not because my experience says so. Not because my education says, but because you said so. I will launch out. Now the interesting thing is, as soon as he launches out and casts his net into the sea, The boat is filled with fish. Now, don't forget what I'm going to tell you. It's so filled with fish that it's sinking. I want to be so prosperous, so blessed, Rick, that I'm sinking. In other words, the weight of glory is so much on this church. The weight of blessing is so much on this church. The weight of healing, the weight of miracles, the weight of power is so much on this church that we're actually sinking with the blessing of God.
Because when I'm sinking with the blessing of God, I love what Peter, no wonder God stepped into Peter's boat, Meliana. Because here's Peter sinking with the blessing, but his eyes are still open. Which means he's not counting his blessing. He's kneeled down, oh God, I'm a sinner. It was grace that caused you to jump into my boat. Nothing I did. But he has his eyes open. Where, where is his eyes open to? To the shore. To all his friends and all his family whose boats are empty. I didn't go to Tucson because I wanted to. I'd rather come here. You got ushers and greeters. <laughs> Nice ones, too, you know. <laughs> Don't use heroin. <laughs> Don't live together. Oh, come on. But he understood something. Here I am sinking with the blessing of God. Yet my partners, my friends, and my family, their boats are empty. Could it be that the reason I'm sinking is not because I've done anything? Could it be that I'm called to fill their boats too? Could it be that the reason why the devil attempt to shut this church down, do everything attack this church, but now the harvest is coming in and the multiplication is coming in, that we're going to get so blessed, uh, so blessed that we're sinking. Why? Because we're going to feel other boats. We're going to feel other lives. Peter's looking. They never launched out. They never took a step of faith. They never obeyed. They never prepared. But here's the thing. The only reason I obeyed, the only reason I prepared, and the only reason God stepped in my boat was not because of John Harkey. Because of his great grace. And now I have a responsibility. Right now, churches, churches are shallow. What, what would happen? What would happen if God blessed this church to such a degree that said, hey, here, take 100 people. Someone's church was closing down. We want to bless you. Because we're not after our kingdom. We want God's kingdom. Because think about this. Peter could have taken a form of pride. Look what I've done. Look at me. Look how full I am with God. No. He called his partners. Which means in the middle of God's blessing, he didn't disconnect from the relationships that he was called to influence. I'm going, I'm, God filled my boat to fill your boat. Amen. But listen to this. When he called his partners, they saw 
how full he was. Let me just tell you. People are going to be attracted to your prosperity. Attracted to your blessing. Attracted to what God, how full God has made you. People are attracted to emptiness. They're attracted to somebody who's full. And the partners who were empty and still anchored to their issues and stuff, still anchored to their addiction, still anchored to pornography, still anchored to alcohol, still anchored to religion. And that he said, no, you know what? I want to go out there where Peter is. Peter's full because Jesus is out there. I want to come to Valley. Jesus is at Valley. And then the house is full. Come on. So that moment... The partners break their anchor. Peter's so blessed he's sinking, but he's got enough fish to fill their boats too. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. See, I am not prosperous if I can't fill your boat with what God's given me. And it's interesting. That they fill the boats, Meliana. They go back to shore. And they leave the fish. And they just follow him. <laughs> they forgot the prosperity of the fish. They didn't even sell the fish. They just followed him. Because if I, I can have a full boat, but if I don't have him... I can have all the economic prosperity of the world, but if I don't have him, come on. Because some people are so rich, they can't follow him. I don't want to be so rich, I don't want to follow him. I want to be so rich that I love following him. That's how prosperous I went, because following him is the source of all prosperity. Can I hear an amen right now? You got to see this. Getting back to John 6. See, so the disciples make excuses because it requires no work to make an excuse. But Jesus already knows what he's going to do. He already knows what he's going to do. And the reason he asked them is because he wants them to participate in what he's doing. Philip answered, it would take more than a half year's of wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another disciple, disciple of Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. You know, so here, here's a boy with five small barley loaves, two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? So notice the excuses are the same. We don't have the economic resources to feed 5,000 men, not including women and children. See, when we make decisions based on economics rather than based on the voice of God, we turn into idolatry. Money becomes our idol. Now notice this. I love this language that John uses. Little boy. Everybody say little boy. little boy. So when 
when Simon Peter's brother said, there's a little boy here, but all he has is five non-gluten loaves, because I've been eating non-gluten bread this week. I'm going to get really healthy. Come on. <laughs> five small barley loaves and two small fish. Now listen. So what is that? Everything small. Nothing is big. It's all small. You know what that tells me? That tells me that the disciples did not value what they had access to. Because the moment I devalue what I have access to, I began to, I began to come up with a conclusion or a narrative that says that's not enough. Because that's all they had access to. Five small barley loaves and two small fish. And in the natural, how far will that go? Can I tell you, there's a reason John says boy, little boy. New King James says little lad. Because I have two grandsons. They're little lads. And my two grandsons hate math. In fact, one of my grandsons, his name is Levi. I walked into the house after running. Uh, this is back in March. I walked into the house, and Levi was doing his homework. And he says, Alexis, what is five plus two? Alexis, what is five minus three? Come on. And Alexis was giving his answers uh, to Levi's homework. You're smarter than I thought, Levi. But it's interesting that the Bible uses the little boy. What the little boy had. Can I say something to you? The reason why God uses the word, or Luke uses the word, the Holy Spirit, little boy, is because the little boy doesn't know how to add. Can I tell you something? Some of us put our math problems above the voice of God. <laughs> and honestly, I have to tell you, this little boy, this little boy had more faith than the disciples. You know why? Because there were, because this little boy was the only prophetic person on that mountain. Because do you know what it means to be a prophetic person? It means to recognize what matters to Jesus. And what matters to Jesus is to feed people. And the little boy recognized Jesus wants to feed people. And I'm in love with Jesus. 
I'm in love with going, I'm in love with the tribe. Come on. No, I failed my math test, but I'm in love with Jesus. Come on. And, and you know what? The little boy didn't try to figure out five times two, two plus five. He has no idea. All he knows is that Jesus wants to feed people. So here's what I'm going to do. I got five loaves and two fish. And my five loaves and two fish is going to feed all these people. (laughs) See, what God is raising up is a group of prophetic people that are going to recognize what matters to God. That, that I'm going to connect to what matters to God. And, and, and everybody else may seem that what I have has no value to them. It may seem that what I have is insignificant in the eyes of men. But in the eyes of Jesus, it is, something, it is a precious gift that I'm going to give Jesus. Because God's going to use my life and use what I have access to to feed a nation. To feed a group of people. To feed, a, to feed the Treasure Valley. Can I hear an amen right now? How many want to feed people? How many want to feed people? How many want to feed people? For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Could it be that prosperity isn't about money? It's about your ability to recognize what matters to God. He's the only prophetic person on that mountain. The disciples who, who had seen Jesus perform miracles for three days wanted to send him away. He hands Jesus his five loaves and two fish. Here you go, God. Can you imagine that little boy just walking up to Jesus? Here you go, Lord. And even the disciples mocking him. People can mock your gift, but God receives your gift. And Jesus takes it. Jesus were alive today in some circles. They think that Jesus was abusive taking a little boy's lunch. Just one of those prosperity preachers. One of those faith preachers. But Jesus took it. I can imagine how Jesus felt with that little boy. Thank you for the only one on this mountain to give me something I could work with. And Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, didn't complain about it. I thought about this, Meliana, as I'm just talking. I thought about this, sweetheart. That little boy saw the saw the five thousand men, not including women, as his partners. I want to feed them too. And Jesus took his five loaves and two fish, and I love the fact that he did not. Is that all you gave me? Didn't complain about the gift. Didn't didn't 
didn't say what Simon Peter's brother said, Andrew, didn't complain it's small. Didn't say, how, oh, look how small this is. This is such, so small. Didn't say it. He held it up to the Father and thanked him for it. Can I tell you something? I have a goal. I want to give a million dollars to the kingdom of God in one year. In one year. But if I can't thank God for my little bit, how can I expect God to multiply if I'm not thankful for what I have right now? Because in the place of gratitude is where I learn to multiply the most. Complainers don't multiply. People that are filled with gratitude and thanksgiving multiply in every area of life. You complain about your wife, you complain about your spouse, your marriage is not going to multiply. You start thanking God for your spouse and your kids. You thank God for your job. You thank God for, guess what's going to happen? You're going to multiply. Complainers don't multiply. Do you, do you know why? Because we're going to fill the house with thanksgiving. Come on. We're going to fill the house with thanksgiving. Because he thanked God. He thanked the Father for what could not meet the need. Five, obviously five loaves and two fish can't do it in the natural. But, but faith, but it wasn't just the faith of Jesus. It was the faith of the little boy. Do I got any people here have childlike faith this morning? Like that little boy that believe that God can take your gift can take what you have given him and multiply it to touch a whole world. Are you hearing me? Yes. Lift your hands toward heaven right now. Father, we love you. Father, we adore you. We praise your wonderful name this morning. I ask you that you bring us into a place of multiplication. I pray that, oh God, that you show, bless us, that we are sinking. But in the midst of sinking, may we fill other boats in the name of Jesus. Give God a shout of praise right now. Yeah.